This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Beneath the church in Rome are small chapels adorned with the skeletal remains of 3,700 Capuchin friars. Skulls, femurs, you name it. Really, it's all on display, from doorways and walls to ceiling art. Visitors come face to face with the dead. You can even buy postcards to send to friends back home if you're so inclined. That's not the darkest church attraction, though. There's one other. Visit the Basilica San Giovanni and you'll learn about a particularly dark and corrupt moment in the church's past. You see, bishops, cardinals, and a host of other ecclesiastical attendees filled the basilica in January of 897 for a synod, basically a court of the church, to try one of their own. Formosus, dressed in papal robes, was unable to speak at his trial, so a deacon spoke for him. Seated in his chair, Formosus didn't move, not even during the earthquake that shook and damaged the basilica. He showed no emotion as Pope Stephen VI screamed at him, demanding answers. A deacon reading from a script replied for him. Found guilty of all counts against him, Formosus was not only stripped of his robes and his time as Pope declared void, but the three fingers on his right hand that he had used during blessings were chopped off. His crimes? ruling more than one place at a time, and for publicly seeking the papacy, achieving the papacy illegally and immorally, and despite not being able to speak, the act of perjury. The trial wasn't Formosus' first run-in with the papal courts, either. Back in the late 800s, with the empire crumbling all around them, small factions had cropped up in the land, forcing political conflicts within the church. All of a sudden, men who had their sights set on becoming pope now needed the backing of secular leaders. Often, a new pope emerged every year at that point in history. Formosus, who was then a bishop, had been successful in converting Bulgarians to Roman Catholicism. The Bulgarians even requested him as their own bishop. His success didn't go unnoticed, though, and with the competition to gain power, it also made him some enemies in the papal court, namely Pope John VIII. Pope John levied a string of accusations against Formosus, claiming that he had brainwashed the Bulgarians into refusing any other bishop and attempting to take over the papacy for himself. Formosus asked for forgiveness. Perhaps Pope John thought the bishop's rise was too close to comfort, or maybe he was a bit paranoid in turbulent times. So he excommunicated Formosus. Pope John was later murdered by his own people, so perhaps his paranoia was founded. When the poison failed to work quickly enough, the killer used something more immediately. A hammer. 
Pope John's successor reinstated Formosus as a bishop, and a year later, Pope Adrian wore the papal robes before his assassination in his first year as the pope. Pope Stephen V wore the papal robe next, but was soon unseated by Formosus, who remained pope for five years until he suffered a stroke. Formosus' successor ruled for 15 days before dying of gout. Or maybe it was poison. It's hard to say at this point. Pope Stephen VI was next. Formosa had made Stephen VI a bishop years earlier, and Pope Stephen still held the post while he served as pope. Yes, there was a rule against that. And yes, Pope Stephen VI knew it. His solution? Put Formosus on trial for the same crime. If Formosus was found guilty, then no one would see that Pope Stephen was just as guilty. By Pope Stephen's reasoning, a guilty verdict would also make Formosus post as bishop, while also Pope null and void, therefore doing the same. Look, it made sense to him, but there was a problem with his plan. You see, Pope Formosus' stroke had been fatal. Maybe it was due to old age. He was 80, after all. Or maybe poison had caused the stroke. Regardless, he had been dead for several months before Pope Stephen VI had his corpse exhumed to stand trial. Not only did this trial serve to cover Pope Stephen's own guilt of papal lawbreaking, it stopped Formosus from being named a saint. After the Cadaver Synod, as it became known, Pope Stephen ordered Formosus' remains to be buried at an obscure location, but then quickly changed his mind, this time ordering it tossed into the Tiber River. The next day, monks recovered the body and buried Formosus in a monastery. Having had enough of Pope Stephen's cadaver trial and exhumations, the people imprisoned him, and he was later found strangled in his cell. Eventually, and a couple of popes later, Formosus' body was recovered once more and buried in his final resting place in St. Peter's Cathedral. Curious? You better believe it. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. His love for her had no end. For her coronation, only the finest jewels and robes would do. Once seated on the throne next to him, King Pedro I's subjects knelt before her, kissed her hand, and pledged their loyalty and obedience. With the ceremony behind them, the king and queen traveled to a beautiful monastery. There, the queen was placed into an intricately carved and inscribed marble tomb, the finest in all of Portugal. You see, Inez de Castro had been dead for two years. In fact, she'd been murdered by order of King Pedro's own father, his predecessor, King Alfonso. But that didn't mean the good people of Portugal had kissed a corpse's hand out of love or loyalty. No, they'd done so most likely because of King Pedro's nickname, Pedro the Cruel, and you'll soon understand why. It all started in the year 1328. As part of an arranged marriage between kingdoms, Prince Pedro met and wed Constanza of Castile, declaring her suitable. Suitable, that was, until he met Constanza's teenaged handmaiden. Inez was the beautiful, illegitimate daughter of Lord de Castro, and she responded to Pedro's attention, which began their not-so-secret love affair. Prince Pedro became so infatuated with her that he neglected his wife, so much and so blatantly that it threatened the already strained relations with the queen's home kingdom, Castile. In an attempt to end her husband's affair, the queen made Inez the godmother of the couple's firstborn child. You see, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, godparents were family, and that would have made their affair incestuous. Undaunted, Pedro and Inez still refused to break it off. Then, a few years later, his wife died while giving birth to their third child, Ferdinand. With his wife and queen newly deceased, Pedro felt comfortable bringing the relationship with Inez public. But his father, King Alfonso IV, forbid his son to marry her, and then banished her from the kingdom. Inez, being of illegitimate birth, was not eligible to become queen. Banishment didn't stop the two lovebirds, though. Instead, Pedro moved in with his beloved mistress. They even had children together, one of which was a healthy son. Meanwhile, Pedro's son from his dead wife, Ferdinand, had become frail. Soon after, Pedro announced that he had secretly wed Inez, 
possibly making their son heir to the throne should Ferdinand die. This, along with Inez's brother's growing influence over Prince Pedro, prompted King Alfonso to dispatch three men to kill her. The men did as the king asked, and beheaded her. Needless to say, relations between the father and son were a bit strained after that. Pedro's mother begged her son for peace, and Pedro eventually promised he would not take revenge. It was a promise Pedro wouldn't keep, though. King Alfonso died a year later, and Pedro became king, soon earning the nickname Pedro the Cruel due to his direct involvement in, shall we say, serving justice, both personally and publicly. Eventually, he tracked down two of Inez's assassins, capturing them and bringing them back to the kingdom. Then, he had them put on trial, and found guilty of murder. In one of his public displays of justice, King Pedro ripped their hearts from their chests, claiming that the killers were heartless for crushing his. After the trial and his special blend of justice, King Pedro ordered Inez's body exhumed, and then held the coronation where he demanded attendees pay her the respect in death that he felt she deserved in life. But here's the thing. Despite the posthumous coronation, Inez was never a legal queen. Pedro had lied to his father about secretly marrying her, and evidence suggests that Pope Innocent IV had refused to marry Pedro and Inez or legitimize their children. In the end, it had been this lie that got Pedro's mistress killed. King Pedro the Cruel died in 1367. He was interred in a second elaborate tomb near Inez. On the sides, detailed carvings depicted the couple's lives. And when their tombs were placed together, the marble likenesses of Pedro and Inez faced one another so that they looked upon each other, as the inscription reads, until the end of the world. And as far as I can tell, no one has tried to separate them ever again. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.